Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to episode 31 of Hello, Fellow Kids. There's another I... host here, I promise. Oh. I, I don't I don't know if I, what I was supposed to say. Do, should we start over? I don't care. Start over. Okay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Leave all that in. It's great. <laughs> uh, this month we read As Brave As You by Jason Reynolds. I liked it. I was like, you know, it's not five stars, but it is like four stars, no questions. It's like solidly pretty strong. I feel like I had it at four and a half, and it would have been five if I'd been a boy. Because I Same. feel like this is a good... What? What? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was so thrown by that. <laughs> you... Did I miss something? I thought you always identified as male. I do, just not okay. as not as strongly as these boys do. Okay. All right. Okay. So I was just all like, I had this like horrible moment of like, have I been misgendering him this whole time? Have I been using the wrong pronouns? Has everyone been using the wrong pronouns? Why didn't Josh say anything sooner? Because <laughs> I would have respected it and said the right one. So... You gave me, like, a lot of problems with just one word. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I thought this was um, a really good representation of, like, growing up and what's expected of manhood and stuff without being um, – and, like, kind of uh, shining a light on toxic masculinity without ever using that term and without being preachy. So – yeah, if I'd been a boy, I'd be like, five stars, five stars, this is exactly what it's like. So, because I don't have that lived experience, I'm just like, I feel like I have a good idea what this is now. Thank you, Jason Reynolds, four and a half stars. Yeah, and I th I thought it, um, it touched on a lot of things without having to stop and be like, here is, like, the capital T theme. It was just like, you'll pick up on the things that you're gonna pick up on by the end of it, just don't worry about it. Right, um, he trusts you to figure it out. Yeah. He's not like, I'm going to spoon feed you this shit. No. He's like, you're a big boy. Lift up your spoon. Feed yourself. Get that airplane into the hangar all on your own. <laughs> and it's really good. Um, I'm new to Jason Reynolds' work. And based on the strength of this, I'd be happy to pick up anything else, he, anything else he's written. It's I, I liked his writing style. I liked the characters. Four and a half stars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real strong. It also has that slice of life thing that we both like. Yes. While I was reading this, though, I did remember a thing that often happens to me with the slice of life stuff, which is where I'm enjoying it. There's nothing wrong with it, but I get halfway through and I'm like, I wonder when, like, the big story is going to start. And then I'm like, wait a second. This is the story. There's not there's not going to be, like, a big twist for an adventure. It's like, this is just the story. And it's like, I'm not at no point am I wanting it. I'm just surprised it hasn't happened until I remember what I'm reading. The big story is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm probably going to have the burps all through this because I did cram down my dinner really fast to be able to do this podcast. I asked you if you wanted time to eat your din-din, so that's, that's all I was already cramming it in my face okay. when you asked, sir. <laughs> you thief. You're a what? I, I, I was referencing that um, TikTok that's like the where are my nom noms, you teeth thief. I, I literally just watched TikTok in between setting up orders at work. 
Uh, I mean, school. I go to a private school. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those new charter schools. Yeah, I go with my friend Emily, and I tell her about the TikToks I watch. <laughs> That's our whole day. Okay, yeah, there's a book. It's called As Brave As You, and Josh is our synopsis bitch this week. I am. Chapter one. We begin with poop. <laughs> Literal poop. 11-year-old Jeannie and his older brother Ernie are scooping dog poop in their grandparents' yard. Ernie shows Jeannie how to fling it so it explodes against the trees. Jeannie tries to copy and accidentally hits his grandparents' house. Whoopsies. Uh, we then immediately cut back to their arrival at their grandparents'. Jeannie and Ernie's parents have been fighting lately and are going to Jamaica alone to sort some things out. While they're away, the boys will stay with their paternal grandparents in Nowhere, Virginia. It's actually North Hill, um, but it is very rural. But it is a far cry from their Brooklyn home. The drive is long and slow because Ernie, who is too cool for school, falls asleep across the entire back seat, and Jeannie is scrunched up beside him, looking at his notebook of questions about the world and trying to share facts about honey badgers with his parents. Jeannie is very inquisitive, but also kind of awkward. They arrive at the house and get reacquainted with their grandparents, who they haven't seen in a decade. The next morning, Jeannie is introduced to Grits with Sugar by his grandfather, who his dad has an estranged relationship with. Grits with sugar was apparently the only way Jeannie's Uncle Wood could eat them. And at this point, I immediately got, like, Uncle Father Oscar vibes, where I was like, oh, is there going to be some weird twist where it's like, he's actually not his dad's son, he's his uncle's son. It's not that, thank God, that would have been a very bad plot development. Yes. Uh, Jeannie asks why Grandpa is allowed to wear sunglasses inside when Mom says that Ernie can't, and that's when he learns that his grandfather is blind. dun 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 I just have one comment to make yeah. about chapter one. Yeah. Thank God we get one of these stories that just begins and it's not like we're in the car in transit to where the story will take place. Cause that, how many stories have we read now where like the kids are just crammed in a car and they're all like, he's touching me or <laughs> all that horse crap. And then instead we just open with like flinging poops. I'm like, yay. Thank you. Yeah. They sure do love cramming kids into cars. Yeah, it's a pretty and, common thing. and they go, why do we need to stay with Grandma again? Well, let me give you the whole explanation again, you know? <laughs> it's just like, you no know one... exactly why, but for those of you listening at home... As you all know, I work in the FBI, and we have important business elsewhere. <laughs> the kids are like, who are you speaking for? Yeah, uh, so I just liked, it just felt natural. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I wanted to comment on, uh, and it's not specific to this chapter, it just happens a few times throughout the book, is that the uh, the authorial voice is really interesting because he will sometimes phrase things as a narrator that makes it sound like he is still a person. Like, it's not from Jeannie's perspective, it is a third person, but he'll, he'll he just has a, a couple of phrases where he'll say something like, he held the shovel low and let it drop behind him a little so he could get some good momentum. We're talking technique here, sophisticated stuff. Like, he's like, there, there is still, there's a storyteller involved, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was, it was a really kind of like chill, pleasant sort of like narrative vibe that he was giving off. That's what I meant by like, I liked the writing style. That you're just yeah. like, okay, 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 I like this. Yeah. It's, it's like a friend telling it to you or something. Mm hmm. Yeah. Chapter 2. Upstairs, Jeannie and Ernie's parents are helping them unpack, and Jeannie is told to stop playing with a model truck, which is the only thing left around from Uncle Wood's childhood. Jeannie is upset that nobody told him about Grandpop, 
but his parents explain that Grandpa prefers to tell people himself. That way, nobody makes assumptions about him needing extra help. They recount when Ernie met Grandpa a decade ago. He was only four and was playing on the floor so quietly that Grandpa tripped over him and face-planted. They also explained that they didn't want Jeannie to worry about who he was being left with, because Jeannie is a worrier. Then it's time for Jeannie's parents to go, so they pack up the car, say their goodbyes, and head out. Chapter 3. Outside of a brief check-in on Ernie and the dog Samantha, Jeannie spends most of the morning interviewing Grandpa. He is amazed at the man's ability to get along blind, and he explains that it's all just sounds, textures, and math. How many steps to the bathroom, how many to the front door, stuff like that. Jeannie also learns that Grandpa's real name is Brooke, and that he used to be a rifleman in the army. There are two questions that Grandpa avoids answering, however. Why he keeps a gun on him, and why he never calls. So this, it quickly develops this specific relationship between, like, Jeannie and the Grandpa. I kind of like having Jeannie as the character we're following, just like, because every time I'm like, oh, I want to know about that, he's like, tell me about it, because I don't have any real social boundaries, and I will just ask questions about just about everything. And I'm like, thank you. You're getting me the answers I need. Yeah, I also really liked the notebook. I feel like he's got good parents, so I feel like one of them probably gave him the idea for the notebook. And we're just like, well, here, write down everything that worries you. Just write it down as questions and kind of phrase all your worries as questions that you can then tackle and answer. So it's a very smart bit of child psychology. Yeah, it gives him agency over his fears because he's like, this is a thing I don't know. But now that I've identified what I don't know, I can make a plan to seek out answers for it and, and build a strategy. Um, right, yeah. Which I'm sure gets very tiring for the parents. But since I was a lot like this when I was a child myself, of constantly worrying, I wish someone had thought to do this for me. <laughs> it was like, just write it in a notebook and we'll figure it out. Yeah, which is why he's very stressed out when he realizes that they don't have, like, good cell phone coverage or internet at the house. And he's like, how am I going to answer my 460 questions? <laughs> that was just what I accumulated on the drive. I'm going to think of a lot more <laughs> while I'm here. <laughs> 76 of these are just about honey badgers. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, also... This is a question that I have that almost gets answered at the end, but still doesn't really. Who names a dog Samantha? That's uh, not a dog name. No, I disapprove of animals with people names. It's just weird to me. I will only accept it if it's a people name that a people shouldn't have anymore. Right, yeah. Like, my brother had a friend whose cat was named Walter. Right. That's totally fine. Right. Or, like, I, I always thought that because my dad really wants to get a uh, a like an English bulldog, and I told him that he should name it Charleston. Um, I thought that'd be a good name for a bulldog, because, like, you don't name a person Charleston anymore. Well, I think that everybody kind of wants to name it Winston or Churchill, because it kind of looks like him. But I feel like that's... Yeah, there's enough of those. (laughs) Charleston, and then you could take your picture with a Charleston chew and be like, huh? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone's like, I'm under the age of 60. I don't get this joke. Dude, my dad gets Charleston shoes every Christmas. Oh my god, I completely, I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought uh, it was like an old person he, food. He's under 60. He's under 60, just, he's just, under 60. just under. Uh, six years? I don't, I don't know. I can't confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said okay, it as a he question. He can't either. He often forgets how old he is. I he was... also often forgets when his birthday is, so. Uh-oh. I used to always forget when my wedding anniversary was. 
And now it doesn't matter. One time I said with total confidence what what it, when it was, and his face fell, and I went, just kidding. <laughs> then I'm sitting there thinking, crap, when was it? <laughs> it was um, totally Septoc November. No, no, I always know the month. I always <laughs> knew the month. It was in August. I'm just not sure when. I always want to say the 10th, but I'm always told that's wrong. But the year was 2010. So you see my confusion? <laughs> Maybe it was the 9th and it was like 8, 9, 10. No, I, you know, final answer, it might have been the 7th. <laughs> Regis, what do you think? <laughs> oh, crap, he's dead. Oh, that's right. Okay, Meredith Vieira, what was it? Didn't she take over for him when it started <laughs> yeah. the afternoons? <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. we're making jokes for old people now. Oh no. <laughs> Welcome to our new podcast, Jokes for Old People. Don't you hate those tennis balls on your walker? What? Take my wife! Please! Please. <laughs> oh god. We gotta stop before we have to get into the racist material. Oh crap. Yeah. Oh, they love that stuff. I didn't even write any of those down. Racist jokes? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the rest of like the story. I was just like, you didn't. You <laughs> yeah, didn't no, write... I did. I didn't write a synopsis. It's just all racist jokes from here on out. Oh no, that'd be horrible. <laughs> this is not a good book to do that in. Because have we have we even said like everyone in this story is African American? No. Yeah, because they are. So it'd be even worse if you just stopped synopsizing and just wrote racist jokes. <laughs> uh. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it is, it is a 100% black cast. There's not even like, there's not even like a random white, like, neighbor or anything. Yes, there is. The dentist guy. Was he? I think he was. Now I'm second guessing myself because you will say with complete confidence, everyone! Okay, what chapter do they go to? You know what? We'll get there when we get there. Uh. Chapter three? No, no, no. We're on, we're on chapter four. I was just making sure if there was anything that I needed to, like, highlight. to. For we're on chapter four? Time. Yeah, chapters two and three are pretty short. Where have I been? Uh, here? Mm. I don't know. Three, chapter three is when he is is exclusively him interviewing Grandpa. Oh, right. Oh, okay. I think I wanted to say a little bit more about that, mostly because I liked how the Grandpa was just like, okay. I know you got questions. Go ahead and ask them. Just went ahead and just let them have it. And the kid's just like, awesome. Okay. Beginning with. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he was just like, I don't have my notebook right now. (laughs) It's like, good thing, because there'd been a hundred more then if he had his notebook. And I could tell the grandpa was kind of like regretting it a little bit. It's like, oh. (laughs) That would have been so fun. He just hears the ruffling of notebook paper. Uh, Okay. We're gonna start with we're gonna start with section one A, okay, and we're just gonna yeah. see how far we get. <laughs> Step one: Does it hurt to be blind? <laughs> He's like, oh god. Is it black or is it just nothing? Is there a difference between black and nothing? Can you tell if it's a lighter nothing in the daytime versus a darker nothing in the nighttime? Do you get heightened senses from having that one fewer sense, so that you're kind of like uh, Matt Murdock, huh? Huh? <laughs> Are you the daredevil, Grandpa? <laughs> this is actually a daredevil origin story. Oh my god, yes. He was an old grandfather from Virginia the whole time. <laughs> He's the only one who can save Hell's Kitchen. 
Why he cares about that when he's from North Hill, Virginia, no one knows. It's part of his heroic. Somebody dropped him off there, and really, it was just easier for him to memorize the whole neighborhood there instead of trying to get home. It's 23 steps to get to the corner shop (laughs) for me to buy my sweet tea. (laughs) Oh, my God. Chapter 4. Jeannie and Ernie notice a girl down the hill hammering away at something. They slide down and Jeannie almost falls. And there they meet Tess, who Ernie immediately begins to fall for. She knows their grandparents and makes it sound like everyone in town knows them as well. Tess is making earrings out of bottle caps and fishing hooks, which she then sells at the market. Jeannie asks where she gets her supplies. Uh, The hooks are from her dad, a former fisherman, and she offers to show them where she gets the caps. She takes them to a nearby bar tended to by a man named Jim. The only other patron is a man that Jeannie nicknames Black Santa. Jim orders up drinks for the kids, and Jeannie and Ernie uh, get kind of freaked out about drinking. Uh, But it's just ginger beer, and Tess and Jim have a good laugh at their expense. Welcome to the country, kids. Uh, I definitely would have had that exact same reaction. Like, I know that, like, this is actually something really refreshing, is that I think this book is commenting on other male-centric coming-of-age stories, because it's taking a lot of the stuff that I didn't identify with in those stories, and acknowledging that it's not something that people might identify with anymore like in like you know like stand by me where they're like they're up in the treehouse like smoking cigarettes and swearing and stuff like that those kids (laughs) would have been super down to like have a drink at a bar you know they would be like ah cool we're breaking the rules but these kids are like "Ah, i'm okay and that's more of the vibe that i had at that age was like "Mm, we're good (laughs) i saw this on tumblr like a while ago that there was this like a little black girl who like threw together this like book drive for all kinds of like kids books, particularly by di- diverse authors with diverse characters. Cause she said that every single book is a white boy with his dog. <laughs> I'm like, it is though. And if it's not a dog, it's a horse. <laughs> so, so I'm just like, yes, yes, exactly. And then here's Ernie, like obsessed with the with the dog, and he's played with the dog throughout. But that's just mentioned. Jeannie's got no friggin' interest in the dog, so it's not even a dog and boy story either. <laughs> you know, they keep away from that because she's just like, ah. Uh. And oh, oh god, the, about the bar, there was a line that I thought was uh, when he first when Tess comes in and. uh Hey, Jim, Tess said, heading for the counter as if it was no big deal that she was a kid, dot, 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 in a bar. And I that gave me Sweet Home Alabama vibes. Did you ever see that movie? Mm-mm. You guess you don't necessarily need to have seen it, but um, when the movie was not out yet and it was just playing trailers constantly on television, Reese Witherspoon goes back to her old town in uh, Alabama and some old friend, she's like at a bar and like the, some um, old friend of hers is like, no! hi and she's holding a baby and then Reese Witherspoon goes hi you have a baby in a bar (laughs) so I read that line with Reese Witherspoon saying it in my head and (laughs) I was very amused I wouldn't recommend watching Sweet Home Alabama I didn't like it that much okay yeah I want to take a moment to talk about Ernie uh, because I think that he is a pretty solid, like, older brother character that feels more real than a lot of other older brother characters. Yeah, he has he's a, a little bit listen, of that, like... Listen, Squirt, 
Stay yeah. out of my stuff. Yeah, like he has a little <laughs> bit of that, like, I'm getting, I'm not quite a kid anymore. I'm a little bit too cool for some of these things, but he still has that, like, I'm watching out for my brother. We're still pals. I still love him and, are, like, appreciate our differences and stuff while retaining his own kind of independent personality. I thought yeah. he was way more fleshed out than most other older brother characters 100%. were. And it was really refreshing. Yes, completely agree. Yeah. The, the horrible older brothers that were subjected to and stuff, some stuff like that. Listen, squirt, stay out of my stuff, and like, Just, like I, blasting I, the the loud music <laughs> with like behind the closed door, or being really unnecessarily aggressive about everything. I don't know. I think these kids were raised right, and also he's in karate, and don't you learn discipline in that? So you know, mm-hmm. like feasibly, you learn discipline. As long as you don't go to, like, the dojo that the mean white boys went to and Karate Kid. Cobra Kai. (laughs) Cobra Kai. That's right. I haven't watched that show of him all grown up. I kind of don't want the twist of, like, actually, Johnny's a good guy now. or He's the the anti-hero protagonist of this show. I'm just like, I'm not interested. I'm sorry. I have not seen any Karate Kid anything since I watched the first one when I was probably like 10 or 12. Okay, when you say first one, are you telling me that you mean the one with Ralph Macchio? Or are you talking yes, about the yes, one? Yes, the okay. original Ralph Macchio. Okay, uh, Was it Pat, Pat Morita? Was, yes, was that his name? Yes, that's okay, correct. Yeah. Yes. I, I was, you're young enough that you feasibly could have been, you know, the first one with James With James Smith. <laughs> like, oh, the call dropped. I'm trying to get back Mara. <laughs> No, that that one did come out only like a few years after I saw the original. But no, I have only seen the very the very first. It was also kind of, I think, kind of stupid. Cause like Karate Kid with Jackie Chan, like Karate's Japanese. What he's Chi? You can't just oh the same thing. They're not. They're all the same. Ah, oh, they're not. <laughs> it makes me so mad. Okay, we're we're not here to discuss that. But anyway, yes, Ernie is a very. I think every character in this was well-written. No one was just like, okay, and here's the, you know, here's the cardboard cutout of who this is. Like, yeah, I thought, I, mean it. I thought the grandma kind of seemed that way, but just because I'm like, oh, okay, here's the grandma from Central Casting, you know, just all like, oh, I'm going to baby all of you and I'm going to make all the delicious foods and yay. But she has more going on, which I appreciated. Yeah. I mean, I think it also helps that he really does keep his cast small. There's only, like, six main players, really. I mean, there's more total characters, but, like, for the majority of the interactions, you're only dealing with a handful of them at a time. And right. so, because of that, he was able to keep it under control. really give everybody a chance to, to develop multiple facets of themselves. So Yeah, and they'd be like, oh, the grandparents don't really like crab. And then the more you see a crab, you're like, yeah, I see why they don't. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of showing in this rather than telling. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which I enjoy. Uh, Chapter 5? Yes. Jeannie and Ernie return to the house and wash up for dinner as a thunderstorm rolls in. Grandpop comes out of a locked room with a glass of liquor, and Jeannie suddenly has even more questions that don't have answers. At the table, Grandpop tells the boys about uh, Gary Daniels, also known as Cake, a huge bully from when Uncle Wood and their dad were kids. Wood protected their dad from getting beat up, and then years later, after joining the army, he bumped into Cake at the fair and showed him what for. <laughs> Jeannie notices that Grandpop sounds very proud of his sons, which directly contradicts with how his dad seems to feel about Grandpop. Then the power goes out and Grandpop plays the harmonica to keep the boys entertained. 
I just wanted to say, like, the mm-hmm. nicknames here, like Wood and Cake. Yeah, that's the South. I had a relative called Biscuit. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I was just like, um, accurate. <laughs> I had a great grandpa, uh, cause my dad's family is from the South once you get back a couple generations. And, uh, uh, I had a great grandpa who was, uh, Daddy Roy. And he was that to literally every member of the family. It didn't matter what his relationship to you was. He's Daddy Roy. Yeah. And so that, that's also, that's a pretty Southern thing. Which state were they? Uh, Texas. Texas. Okay. I'm kind not, of not like not like not like a like a south southeast like yeah. Bible Bible Belt area, but right. Yeah, same with my family. They're not south south. It's West Virginia, Mountain Mama. <laughs> I can't say that state without right? adding that at the end. <laughs> you know, it's actually printed really really tiny. Um, <laughs> like any time. <laughs> Speaking of small type, uh, every time like. The uh, town where my dad grew up, it had the sign, the friendliest town in America, and he and a friend of his would flip cars off while standing next to the sign. (laughs) (laughs) I think I get some of my sense of humor from him. Chapter 6. Grandma leads the boys upstairs in the dark, and as she steps into the bedroom, there's a crunch. She has stepped on the model truck that Jeannie left out, and now it's broken. Jeannie tries to help, but ends up knocking a piece of the wheel down between the floorboards. Grandma tells him not to worry that it was an accident, but it's obvious that she's crushed. She leaves the boys, and they get ready for bed. Jeannie has more questions and tells Ernie about Grandpop's gun. He also asks him why their dad and Grandpop have a bad relationship. Ernie thinks it's because Grandpop pressured Wood to join the army, and therefore he's responsible for Wood's death in Desert Storm. Ernie eventually falls asleep, but Jeannie can't. He goes downstairs and finds Grandpa drinking, disassembling his revolver and eating ice cream. Jeannie sits down and asks Grandpa some more questions. Questions like why he doesn't go outside. Grandpa tells Jeannie a secret. He doesn't go outside because he's scared. He doesn't know where things are and could get hurt. The talk turns to Uncle Wood and Grandpa speaks about him a little before getting choked up and suggesting that Jeannie head up to bed. This is where we get, like, confirmation that Uncle Wood's dead, and this is just another one of those things where it's like, you know he is, it didn't need to spell it out for you, but then there is just, like, a final confirmation there. Um, well, we also get the brand new information of that he was, like, in the war. Right, the 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 circumstances. Right, yeah. Um, the way they were saying, like, oh, this is the only thing left of his childhood, I was like, oh, crap, did this kid die as a kid? Because that would mess up a family, too, like, mm-hmm. really bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I like the decision that he died as an adult and not as a child on this farm. Right. A uh, farm. Not really. It's just land. Well, because if he had died like at, at the house, then it would have had to become a Mary Downing Hahn story. You're right. Oh, my gosh. And then, like, he meets Wood as a ghost and, like, I don't know. Is there an attic? They, they look identical. They look identical and they switch. And the way you can tell them apart is, like, oh, wait, no, they both like the, the um, sugar on grits. <laughs> But 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 it allows for uh, you know Grandpa to talk to Uncle Wood one last time and get some closure before Uncle Wood departs to the afterlife. And Wood's like, okay, make no mistake, I 110 percent blame you for my death. Are you kidding? <laughs> and everyone's like, this is how these books are supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, you're to blame, of course. 
I like uh, I like Genie's because he's so insistent on asking questions. He even asked a question about, "Will I become a famous question asker if I do? Does that make me a questionnaire?" <laughs> get out of here, buddy. But also, come here. But stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you are too old to be this adorable. <laughs> he's like eleven, right? Yes. That's about what I clocked him at, I think. And uh, yes. Ernie's 13, about to turn 14. Yes. He turns 14 on the 4th of July. Yeah, they're all like the big one for it. I'm like, nothing special happens when you're 14. <laughs> well, but they're around f- here. In these here parts. I love the, um, like, when I was reading this, I'm like, I'm not going to, like, affect any sort of, like, accent or voice or something. But I do love when you get the more southern way of speaking written down just right, it flows in such an incredible way that it's just, it's so easy to slip into because it's just so casual and everything just kind of, like, rolls together so well. Um, so I really enjoyed uh, some of those dialogue sections where I'm like, I can hear it. Like, it's it's so well uh, constructed. Yeah, I liked that, too. Without it feeling condescending, because some of the... I'm thinking babysitter's club in particular where there was a character who was from the south and then she would write out what she thought a southern accent sounded like and it was terrible that didn't happen here right there's that like constant dropping of the g in ing and like really really atrocious grammar anything like that it's 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 a lot of like phrases and contractions that actually do make sense um like he'll he'll just write out like i don't know I don't know. Yeah, that's how I say it. (laughs) Which is how people talk. That is a valid way of saying that phrase. Um, Or finna. Yeah. Yeah. Or ite. Ite, yeah. Ite, finna. Trying to think of any others. They'll probably come up. These are all things that I hear. (laughs) Yeah. The the real Uh, stuff instead of, you know, the Anna Martin idea of what a Southern accent sounds like. (laughs) Was it a lot of reckon and, and, and dern tootin? No, she'd write out phonetically how it's that. Basically how J.K. Rowling wrote out every time Hagrid talked. Okay. Yeah. There's kind of some classism inherent in that. Because Hagrid didn't really have a very posh-sounding accent. Right. It sounded very, very working class. Yeah. So the, to really make a point of spelling it out like that's a little obnoxious. Right. Yeah. Like, you're you're totally right on that. I never connected those two, but that is... I'm super critical of Ms. Rowling recently, so well, I'm gonna go ahead and come at I her. I mean, hundred percent. I gonna gonna go with a hard agree there. Um, it's it. Uh, you know, I I don't want to dive into it very much, but no. it is definitely uh, a real exercise in the death of the author of like how easy is it for me to reconcile enjoyment of something while still condemning the person who made it um because everybody kind of has different lines that they draw for that sort of thing and it's really interesting where different people are drawing the lines on this i don't know it's, i'm kind of in an interesting position since like i you know i was like oh the books are good i like the books but yeah. they were never i was much older when i read them so i didn't i didn't have that childhood foundation so it's, i think it's kind of easy for me to kind of separate it and be all like, yeah. you know, I liked, I liked the books. They were fine. She's a raging, complete, weird. I don't know why this is her revolution. It makes no sense. She's Did ridiculous. Did you see the thing with uh, Stephen King? 
No, what did he say? Well, because Stephen King has always, like, praised her writing and stuff, and she's already really appreciated that. She she posted something unrelated to the controversy, and he he responded to it, and then she responded back or something. There was, like, a little conversation between them. Uh, and she was just, like, saying how much she appreciated his support over the years and stuff. And then a fan was like, uh, hey, Mr. King, we would love it if you would just tweet that trans women are women. And he was just like, yeah, trans women are women. So then J.K. Rowling deleted the conversation with King. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> what a bitch. Right? But also, did like, he have no King. did he have no idea that that was going to set her off? Oh. Uh, I I don't know if he did. I'm willing to bet that he wouldn't care. Oh, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> it's like, Joe, I don't know why you're making this your issue. It's it's a little weird. <laughs> I'm not going to invite you to my movie premiere. <laughs> Which I will hate, because I don't like any of my movies. <laughs> he likes his movies. Which ones? That, that's not like a loaded question. Which ones? I'm genuinely curious. Which ones? That, I know I which ones. Just heard him. I know which teaching. ones he doesn't like. I know he doesn't like The Shining. No, he doesn't like that one. I don't either. I know unpopular unpopular opinion, but dude, I I can't stand it. It's about an hour too long. It's just it doesn't really. I don't know. I just don't think it works. Um, I guess it doesn't work as an adaptation of his work. But if it was just kind of something outside of that, then I don't know. I just don't like Kubrick. I know, unpopular opinion. I don't like Stanley Kubrick's work. I, I watched 2001 A Space Odyssey and I was like, cool, that's like how much of my life I'm not getting back. Like, <laughs> I didn't like, didn't like it. You just didn't get it. I got it. I just didn't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus. I'm fighting with a guy who's not even here. I'd say he hated The Shining. I don't think he liked, uh, Children of the Corn. I, I think he liked Carrie because that came out quite well. Christine got a movie, right? Yeah, I think that came out okay, too. I didn't particularly think that was that great of a book, so I never saw the movie because I was just like, right. eh, whatever. And he was in the second um, uh, It Part 2, so I think he approved of uh, those movies. Okay. And um, those definitely are is it loose? kind of a loose adaptation of the book because they, they had to move the time period up. Yeah. And I thought yeah. it worked totally, but I don't know, like the story, everyone kind of agrees that the story kind of falls apart in the second part where it's all the adults because the kid part's just so much more like relatable and interesting. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this has been Stephen King Corner of Hello Fellow Kids. <laughs> Stephen King's Children of the Corner. Ah, good one. Chapter seven. Chapter seven. The boys are woken up and told the rules of their stay. They will wake up at 7.30 every morning to help with chores. They will attend church every Sunday. And while they will have free reign to play outside, they will come when called for. There is a five-call rule. If they are not standing right in front of Grandma after the fifth call, they're in for a whooping. Yeah. I don't think they're actually in for a whooping. It's just, they will be disciplined. There is no, uh... I was going to say capital punishment, but that's a little harsh. What's the when it's just... Corporal? Corporal. You you uh, don't want to get lieutenant punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, general punishment is actually pretty tame. It could be anything from you're killed to uh, you have to write a few lines of I shouldn't be a dickhead. Grandma, I didn't even know you had a chalkboard. It's just for this, son. Do you really want me to write dickhead? <laughs> That's what you are, ain't ya? <laughs> okay, uh, but this... 
this all brings us back to the initial poop flinging scene. Yes, uh, yes. Which occurs shortly before the arrival of Crab, or Mr. Crabtree, who is Tess's dad. And also happens to be a living, walking pile of poop. <laughs> He comes by periodically to hunt small game in the forest, and Grandma isn't fond of him. Grandma has the boys help her pick peas, which Jeannie is known to hate, and then Ernie heads off to find Tess. Grandpop invites Jeannie inside and shows him what's behind the locked door. It's like an indoor jungle, uh, made right before he went blind, so he could have his own outdoors. Uh, there are five caged birds, lots of plants, and a full ceiling of windows, and fake grass. It's also his private space away from Grandma since she hates the birds and won't come in. Crab comes in and pays Grandpop for using the forest, which is a fee that Grandma doesn't know about. Uh, he also delivers dead flies to feed the birds. Uh, the flies come from the bug zapper up above the, the bar. And he also makes reference to alcohol that Crab's father used to distill, which is given to Grandpop as per the dead crab tree's will. After Crab leaves, Grandpop asks Jeannie, if he's good at keeping secrets, and tells him to come to the kitchen that night. I like that the uh, room where the grandpa hangs out, where the grandma doesn't come in, is never once referred to as a man cave. No, it's the inside-outside room. It's the inside-outside room. room, or the none-your-bidness room. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I really liked that room. I thought that was really cool. I thought it sounded horrible, but that's just my opinion. I heard about, like, the turf on the ground, I'm like, nope, because I hate how that feels. Like it just gives me grossed out shudders. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't like. I don't like fake grass, and I'm not saying that I want this room for myself. I just. I like that Narnia feeling of you open a door and you're not in the place you expect to be, whatever that ends up being. I also don't like birds, so <laughs> <laughs> it's a scary situation. Oh, did I ever tell you this story? Can I tell you the bird story? When I was in college, I was in this class. We were, it was a class about, a uh, society in the city or something like that. And as part of a project, we had to, um, pair with some community group and do volunteer work. And ours was, we were helping this neighborhood collect surveys on how to improve the neighborhood and stuff. And we ended up at this one house that was full of these college boys. The guy's like, the guy opens it and he's nice and he's willing to fill out the survey and he's like, Wait, why don't we go out into the backyard? Um, it'll, it's a little bit like nicer than just standing out here on the front porch. And we we're like, sure. We start walking through the house and I should have already known we were in for weirdness because we're passing through and this guy is like sitting in a chair getting a home tattoo on his back. Oh no. Yeah. And then we pass through and then we get into the backyard. It is full of chickens <laughs> and one duck. And the guy's like, let's sit down. And all these, they're just wandering all over the yard. And I'm sitting there stiff like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, because I'm so afraid of birds. And um, the girl I was with, who uh, she she did all the talking and kind of kept looking at me weird because I hadn't told her, oh, by the way, I'm really afraid of birds because why would that ever come up? <laughs> and she says to the guy, do they have names? And he goes, the chickens don't, but the duck's name is Russell. <laughs> and that's my bird story. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> what was he getting a home tattoo of? Was it did it was it a was it a heart with a banner that says Russell? I couldn't see because uh he was facing towards us with his arms folded on the chair. Like he was sitting straddling mm. the chair and mm -hmm. they were um inking up his back and then the rest of the boys were ringed around the artist doing the work, so I couldn't see what was happening. It was probably a portrait of a duck. I hope so. <laughs> it was Russell. <laughs> Chapter 8. 
Ernie can't stop gushing about his day with Tess. He's really falling for her, and she seems pretty interested, too. But Jeannie doesn't pay any mind until Ernie mentions that she has a Wi-Fi. Finally, there's a way for Jeannie to get answers to all his questions, and maybe a solution to the broken truck model, which he's still fretting over. All that will have to wait, though, because after Ernie falls asleep, Jeannie meets with Grandpa. The secret is that Grandpa wants Jeannie to help him practice going outside, but only at night so nobody sees him needing help. Jeannie reluctantly agrees, and they head out, Grandpa holding tight to Jeannie. When they get out into the yard, Jeannie asks Grandpa about a strange scar on his ankle. Grandpa explains that it's from a snake bite, which he got the last time he went outside years ago. The incident shook him and Grandma up so bad that he stopped going out. Grandpa asks if there are stars out and gives a sad smile when Jeannie says yes. Tons. Uh, chapter 9. Jeannie and Ernie's mom calls to check on them, and then the boys head to Tess's. Jeannie gets to use her computer and look up some of his questions, like where to buy a spare model car wheel to fix the truck, but no luck. He's also curious why everything in the house is covered in plastic, but then Tessa's mom comes in and meets them wearing a mask and gloves and it starts to make sense. Tessa's mom is a hypochondriac who hasn't left the house in a month. Despite this, she is pleased to meet the boys and talks about how she used to be babysat by Grandpa's parents, who taught her how to build bird cages. This was back when they lived in a house deeper in the woods behind Grandpop's current house. Grandpop's mom was very kind, but his dad was uh, had some personality issues as a World War II vet. The boys head home a while later and settle into their daily routine. Jeannie starts helping clean up the inside-outside room as a voluntary chore. Then, on day eight... I don't know, I guess we'll find out in the next chapter. It just kind of ends there. <laughs> so when we're introduced to tess's mom and she's wearing a mask and gloves it took me pages to realize why that was weird because of how this i know right (laughs) i had the same thing i was just like yeah that's what you do when you're interacting with people that you don't know yet that's just normal right and then i'm like oh shit this is from like 2012 no it's not i've been having that same problem watching like tv and stuff where i'm just like why are people standing so close to each other and it's like, oh, because this was filmed eight years ago. There's there's still people who aren't doing things correctly, though. There's this guy I watch on TikTok who uh, got a party bus and then had all these people on it and stuff. And then, like, most of the comments were all like, yeah, because Corona is not a thing. And uh, he didn't actually respond to any of those comments, but he didn't delete them either. So I guess he isn't a total dick. But I was like, I don't like you as much now. So we were in a fight for like a week. <laughs> This person I don't know. <laughs> so at the start of chapter nine, it's part of Jeannie's notebook, and it says number four sixty two. Where is Sam Hill? Uh, because uh, Grandma will be like, "What in Sam Hill are you doing?" Um, he's like, "Where is Sam Hill?" I thought we were in North Hill, and I just wrote, "I thought you were American." <laughs> Fine humor. The only other thing I have it for this chapter is that uh, after spending so much time in the inside-outside room, uh, Genia decides that the birds need names, so he names them after the Jackson 5. Yeah. <laughs> this is important. It is. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, things get really weird later. <laughs> <laughs> All these things rock and robin. It's really weird. Some niche Jackson 5 humor. As opposed to that super mainstream Jackson 5 humor? Yeah, like, um, they have afros, teehee. I don't know. Chapter 10. On day 8, God created the flea market. It's the 8th day that they're there. 
This was a lot funnier when I wrote it in minutes. I'm sorry, I didn't laugh. No, it's okay, you shouldn't have. <laughs> Nor should you, madam. <laughs> huh. Grandma is taking the boys into town to sell her peas at the flea market, but first, Jeannie feeds the birds. He runs out of flies for Michael Jackson, the smallest bird, and substitutes them with apple seeds that Grandpa saves after his daily snack. He also brings the model truck, hoping to find a replacement wheel. At the market, they sell out of peas quickly, and each of the boys gets $10. They visit some interesting displays, and Ernie buys a dog toy called a Bite Buddy for Samantha. Then Grandma treats them to crab sandwiches, and they meet a man named Mr. Binks. He's odd but nice, and is in the market for roller skates. After some small talk, he departs, and Jeannie asks what he usually sells at the market. She replies that he sells good luck. Boy, that won't confuse Jeannie at all. So, knowing what we know about the apple seeds later, but also I for real knowing what we know... I screamed out loud. I went, no, don't feed that to the bird! <laughs> but also knowing what we know about Grandpa eating, like, the stem of the apple and stuff, why isn't he also just eating the seeds? Why is he saving them? What's his plan? What is the can of seeds for besides poisoning birds? It's for, maybe he wants to plant an orchard in, in the back acre. I don't know. Hmm. Um, Okay. So I found the description of the man. Uh, his skin was pale like he was dusted with powder. So that's the one white person in the story okay. is a complete weirdo. <laughs> Which, fair. That tracks. Uh, yeah, totally fair. Because <laughs> roller skating to work is the fucking whitest idea ever. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> Not even rollerblading, roller skating. Yeah. I mean, you and I famously can't stop. So <laughs> we skated to work. <laughs> he just smashed into the building. I don't know. It's like you're bloody every time you come in here. <laughs> uh. They have these crab sandwiches, which is literally like a fried full soft shell crab in between two slices of bread uh, with like the legs sticking out and stuff. And I'm just like, thanks. I hate it. I'd need to try it, but how soft are we talking? It really doesn't crunch. I've I've never I've never had soft shell just, crab. Just the idea of legs sticking out of my sandwich freaks me out. I don't know if you ate like lettuce and it's hanging out. It's like its whole butt's hanging out. <laughs> I don't really know what point I'm making. But <laughs> anything could be legs. Listen, we got to talk about lettuce butt. <laughs> Look, they they all have butts, okay? <laughs> Trust me on this. Why? Why aren't you writing this down? <laughs> Mara, do you have a Tumblr that is only erotic drawings of vegetables? Oh, the call dropped again. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the show notes is a link to my Tumblr of erotic fruits. <laughs> apples drawn as boobs. Why apples? Why not something like melons? Wouldn't that make more sense, Mara? No, it's apples. Because the stems are the nipples. <laughs> you just don't understand my artistic vision. <laughs> what is happening? Chapter 11. Bankruptcy. The family, co Thank yes. you. the family comes home to find Grandpa working out. Also, Crab came by earlier with more flies. Ernie goes to play with Samantha while Jeannie takes the flies into the bird room. And oh god, Michael Jackson is dead! Jeannie freaks out and has Ernie take him to Tess's where he uses Google to confirm that, yep, apple seeds are bird boys and... Tess suggests they remove Michael and replace it with another bird before Grandpa finds out. Their best bet, she says, is the old house in the woods, which her dad says is full of birds. Jeannie, in desperation, agrees to the plan. Chapter 12. Before the sun rises, the boys sneak into the inside-outside room to dispose of Michael Jackson. 
Jeannie wraps toilet paper around Ernie's hands so he doesn't have to touch the bird directly. They take it outside and Ernie drops it. Neither wants to pick it up, so Jeannie uses the shovel to launch the poor thing into the woods. <laughs> Grandma comes out to check on them, and they play it off as starting chores early. After breakfast, they head to the house in the woods, which has a tree growing right through it. The only sign of human life is old beer cans, probably from crab. They also see some old bird cages around, arranged in a semicircle, just like Grandpa's. Other than that, the place is just teeming with birds, but the wrong kinds. Jeannie briefly sees a barn swallow outside, perfect to replace MJ, but it flies off. Ernie slams the door to make the birds erupt from the house, which is an impressive sight. Grandma calls for them, and they just barely make it back in time, though Jeannie's eye gets hit with a branch on the way. They mention having been at the house, and Grandma tells them not to mention it to Grandpa. She also says that leaving the property to Grandpa was one of the only good things his dad did for him. Uh, other than that, Grandpa's dad was mostly trapped in his own negative feelings. One day, he went out and never came back. They found his car parked by the river, Grandpa's dad having drowned himself. Jeannie casually mentions the beer cans in the house, and Grandma looks agitated but doesn't say anything about it. She does, however, want to know who tried to flush an entire <laughs> roll of toilet paper. <laughs> I thought it was very true to life. I was like, I don't want to touch it about, like, the dead bird. <laughs> and, like, the lengths you go to, like, not have to touch it. Right? And it's like, you can tell these are children and not adults, because I was thinking, Tess's mom has how many pairs of gloves? Get gloves from Tess. Pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you have a bag handy? And it's like, oh, we're not going to bury it. I'm like, why not? <laughs> like, <laughs> do something. I guess because the dog would have dug it up, but, yeah, this could have been better planned and executed. <laughs> So after Tess suggests that they go to the house, which, by the way, Tess is a fun character. We haven't talked much about her, but she's pretty rad. Yeah, she's great. She's uh, she's industrious and uh, witty, and I think she's, she'll, she will do some good for Ernie. Yeah, she's kind. Like, she's, she isn't yeah. like, I mean, she'll tease them because you can't yeah. resist, but, right. I mean. It's not really mean-spirited. No, uh-uh. But anyways, she suggests that they go to the house, uh, and then it says, That night, Jeannie and Ernie devised a plan, because that was what detectives and criminals did. And I wrote, you know, like a liar. <laughs> yeah. That's right, John Mulaney. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 13. Ernie will be turning 14 soon, which means Grandpa wants him to participate in the North Hill tradition of learning how to shoot. The tradition was started by Grandpa after the death of Emmett Till, a black teenager who was killed after whistling at a white woman. Nowadays, it's less of a self-defense tradition and more of a quote-unquote fun one, but it sure doesn't sound fun to me. Nope. But before that, Jeannie has a bird to catch. He finds instructions for a bird trap and gets Tess and Ernie's help setting it up by the yellow house. Every day, they go out and check it and spend the rest of the day trying to act as normal as possible, which involves some mental gymnastics in on Jeannie's part, pretending that there was never a fifth bird to begin with. Jeannie continues to meet with Grandpa for nightly walks, and one night he's also tasked with helping Grandpa organize his secret money stash from Crab, uh, which seems to have less money than Grandpa expected. The morning after that, Ernie and Grandma go to the market without Jeannie. When they get back, Ernie tells them that Mr. Binks was there, selling his good luck charms. They turn out to be human teeth, supposedly from famous patients Mr. Binks had during his decades as a dentist. That's going to be a no from me, dog. Yeah, uh-uh. I don't like teeth. I don't even like the ones I have. Be right back and I'll pull oh, them geez. out. I feel like that's a real disorder. Probably. I mean, people pull their own hair out because of... Yeah. Well, there's also, uh, what is the, it's the opposite of 
sort of like the opposite of phantom limb when you feel like you shouldn't have a limb that you do. So you try to cut it off. Like someone cutting off their own toe? Yeah, kind of like that. That's probably all we should say about that. <laughs> so Jeannie and Grandpa are outside, and uh, uh, Grandpa's like, Hey, Little Wood, which is what he calls him, by the way. Uh, he calls him Lil Wood. I don't know if we've mentioned that, but he calls him that a lot. Uh, uh, uh Yeah, for Uncle Wood, whose name was Sherwood. So, there. Yeah. Uh, and then, by the way, it's Ernie is Ernest, named after his dad, and Jeannie is Eugene, which I don't think we find out until, like, chapter 18 of 21 or something like that. But he's like, uh, Lil Wood, how many stars do you think are up there? And Jeannie says, I don't know, let's see. He tried counting, but every time he got past 20, he'd get confused about the ones he had already counted and eventually realized how crazy it was to try to count stars, even though it was definitely a question he needed an answer to. Finally, he just stopped and took a guess. Shoot, gotta be at least 100. I'm like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> and Grandpa, <laughs> Grandpa knows how ridiculous this is because he's like, 100, huh? I guess I'll just have to take your word for it with a smile. <laughs> it made me think of that song by One Republic also. We'll be counting stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're all like, it's too late to apologize? <laughs> See, that song sounds very inspirational. If it's coming from somebody who doesn't need to be counting dollars. We'll be counting stars. Yeah. Like, hey, guess what? Some of us down here do have to count dollars. But they've been, they spent so long doing the right thing. Chapter Okay. <laughs> Fair. Jeannie and Ernie's parents call the morning before the 4th of July, which is also when they leave for Jamaica, and also, also, Ernie's birthday. Grandpop tries to talk to their father, but he won't talk to Grandpop, and the call ends. Crab comes by after another day of hunting. They talk about Ernie's birthday, and Grandpop says that Crab should teach Ernie how to shoot since Grandpop is blind. Crab doesn't want to, but Grandpop says he'll do it as part of the deal struck with Crab's father. Crab protests... But Grandpa reveals that he knows Crab has been shorting him the cash for hunting in the woods, and that he's been in the house in the woods, which is forbidden. Crab says he only goes in when the hunting is bad, so he can sit, hit, so he can hit some easy birds. And Grandpa gets very serious and sends him away. That night, Jeannie is very excited about the prospect of watching Ernie learn to shoot, but Ernie reveals that he has no interest in learning and is very adamant about that. Jeannie doesn't understand, but I sure do. Me too. I really related to Ernie with this. Same. I've never had somebody try to teach me how to shoot a gun. Uh, but there is that kind of like, you know, something is expected of you that you have no inclination whatsoever to do. And just being like, no, this is, I'm taking a stance on that. This is who I am. And I don't want that to be part of who I am. Um, and I don't really have to explain it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So when their parents call, like, it's not even that. Their dad is like, sorry, dad, I can't talk. I gotta go. It's like he just hands the phone off to their mom and is just like, nope, not e not even going to tell him that I'm not talking to him. He is like so beyond done speaking. To yeah, him. I totally get that. And I get why he's that way. I do wonder what the circumstances were that like 10 years ago they brought Ernie up to visit. And like, did the dad just not come for that? Because Wood died well before that, right? Because Wood was pretty young when he it was, like, right out of high school and he got shipped out. And um, Desert Storm was, like, in the 90s, and these kids were probably born in late 90s, if that. I, I was assuming this was contemporary contemporary to when it was yeah. published, so they would have been born in, like, 2002, 2004. Yeah, they wouldn't have known Wood at all. 
Um, so that would have been plenty of time. Like maybe, maybe he was okay with his dad for a while, but then he had his own child. Maybe they had some fight while they were, you know, visiting. And then he's just like, well, screw it. You're not, I'm not going to subject yeah. my kid to this crap if you're going to keep acting like this. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, you know, I thought I could deal with it myself, but now I'm bringing my own sons into this and I'm, I'm not having any of what you're trying to dish out. I could yeah. see that. I could also see his the uh, the mom being like they have to know their grandparents and him being like well they can know him but I'm not going and like just be really distant about <laughs> and her stuff. being like it's weird for me to visit your parents will you please come <laughs> fine but I'm staying in the car we'll all stay in the car <laughs> and then uh, Jeannie is super stoked about Ernie learning how to shoot because he's just full of this like he has these kind of preconceived notions of like. I don't know. Like he just he thinks that this is a new, cool, exciting development, and I don't know if it's because he hasn't thought through to where Ernie has thought through, or if he just I don't know. But he's very excited about something that Ernie is not excited at all about, which is kind of an interesting perspective to take. Like obviously, Genie is the main player with like the inside outside room. And the truck model and stuff, but it, there are other things where he is just a bystander, and it's more about him understanding other people's perspectives. Like they could have easily had it so that the main character was the one learning. Yeah, to it was shoot, Ernie, and then right. kind of yeah. But um, um, I where was it? I think it might have been towards the beginning, like one of the conversations between the grandpa and the, and the and genie was when he says like, I guess I'm not as brave as you. I think I mean, uh, about like walking in the yard or something And the grandpa yeah. directs that to genie. And I was thinking about that, like, Oh, that's the title of the book. You know, when you hit the title, like that, this must be something important. Yeah. And I hit on it that it is important that it, it's good that Jeannie is like the main character because he kind of is the bravest person in this book. He's the most emotionally honest of everyone and just goes ahead and like admits ignorance by asking things all the time. So I do yeah. think he's kind of he is the bravest character in this story. And maybe he isn't as uh, scared of learning to shoot because he's built up this bond with his grandfather. Whereas Ernie's kind of just playing with a dog the whole time. He's not really hanging out with the grandpa. So there's like a level of trust that those two characters share that Ernie doesn't necessarily does. Plus he's older and has been with the parents longer. So he's probably absorbed more of his dad's ambivalence toward the grandfather. So that probably contributed to some of it. Plus guns are loud and scary. Like, (laughs) like that's totally valid to not want to mess around with them. Guns are loud and scary and they're designed to hurt things. And I don't feel like, yeah, right. Exactly. And I mean it. Yeah. Cause it, I, I'm pretty sure it says this somewhere on like a review. Plus the one fighty thing he does is martial arts, which famously does not deal with guns. So yeah. Or, or like most of them, uh, going back to Karate Kid, it's not about aggression. It's about protection. Yeah, exactly. So Um, he's had that mentality like his whole life. And then here's this guy like, oh yeah, shooting's amazing. And he's like, not to me, it's not. And I mean, I know that this is the theme of the book, but just so that we're, we're stating it is the the reframing of these masculine traits like bravery and stuff and like in older stories bravery would have been you know the guy with the gun and now like in this it's like bravery is 
being honest about who you are and the things you care about and the things that you know and the things that you don't know and just being yourself in the face of everything else. And being able to admit when you don't know something or admitting when you've done something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Bravery. Chapter 15. Grandma wakes the boys early so she can light off some of the small fireworks she got before sunrise. Uh, because the nighttime fireworks can get pretty chaotic, Grandma prefers doing them in the morning instead. Crab and Tess show up, and Crab agrees to teach Ernie how to shoot. Ernie says he doesn't want to learn, and Crab ropes Grandpop in to try and convince him. They insinuate that Ernie is scared, and Ernie insists that he's not, but he still gives in. The men and boys head into the woods by the old house. On the way, Grandpop lets slip to Jeannie that this is why he wanted to practice going out. They set up a can in a tree and go over safety procedures and technique with Grandpop's revolver. Grandpop fires off a couple practice rounds for funsies, which is not funsies at all. Ernie takes the gun and shoots, but because of his nerves, he wasn't holding tight enough, and the gun smacks him in the face on the recoil. Everyone rushes in to help, and his face is gushing blood. He finally gets up and spits out three teeth, uh, and both he and Jeannie can do nothing but cry. These stupid, stupid men. That's what I wrote at the end. Because I was really, really frustrated. Really? I wrote a huge, uh, long paragraph of how uh, how angry I was. Would you like to present sure it thing. to the class? I go, I have problems. One, this is a terrible lesson. Warn him about recoil? I don't even think they said a word about it. They, they just said hold, hold the, the like, wrist tight. They didn't say they why. They should have said why. And I think there's a way you can hold it so if it does, is recoil, it's not going to hit you right in the mouth and break all your dang teeth. Um, and have him practice with the safety on to get used to the grip and coach him better on how to hold his wrists properly. Like, you might have to get hands-on and, like, actually physically do something, you know? Yeah, it's it's almost like they were... Uh, I'm so sorry to go ahead, this. Go ahead, But it, it's, it's almost like they're... In their heads, this is such a masculine rite of passage that Ernie should just kind of intuit some of it. Right, yeah. But I was wondering why, it, since we're going from, like, never shooting anything before, why don't we start with a BB gun? To at least get used to the feel of, like, a gun. Because I did learn to shoot with a BB gun. I never went on to, like, gun gun. But I was quite good with it. And I wasn't scared of it because it's not a potential... Like, well, you can do harm, but I don't think you can really kill anybody with it. Like, not a person. So it wasn't as worrisome for me. Anyway, I thought jumping right to gun was a little crazy. And, uh... Number two, the grandpa should have known how strong that recoil was on that gun and that it wouldn't be appropriate for a beginner. <laughs> and then number three, he wasn't interested. Let it go. This was, it's so obvious that this is way more about grandpa than it is. I think about I put her. that like, oh, he makes everything about him. Like him, like, because he keeps interrupting the lesson, like, oh, hey, and uh, like one time he interrupts and Ernie spins around pointing the gun at them. They're all like, geez. And it's like, He's on edge, and you're shouting shit unexpectedly behind him. Stop it. Yeah. Why does there need to be an audience for this? Like, (laughs) even if it is just a few people, I was just all like, maybe Jeannie doesn't need to be there. When Crab first arrives, he's like, you ready? And then Ernie says, no, I'm good. He was looking down and kicking the dirt like a chump, and I just wrote, Fred Durst gets you. (laughs) So you can take that cookie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then Crab's like, come on, kid, let's see what the old man has to say about this. And I was like, let's not, because it's Ernie's choice. And then a couple pages later, I wrote, 
I'm gonna punch crab. And it sucks that the t- uh, the two female characters are the ones going like, he doesn't want to, just let it go, and they're all like, oh, that means especially that you're a pussy, because girls think you should have feelings. So that was also making me angry. Not angry at Jason Reynolds, just the situation. No, no, no. no. He is... I was just like, well, maybe angry at him because like you really nailed that. <laughs> That's exactly what that what how that would have played out. So, sign of a good writer is when we can be this angry at your characters because we believe their stupid yes. story choices. Like, oh, this lines up with everything about this person we know so far. Damn it! <laughs> I was hoping for a miracle that he'd be really understanding about this. Ah, uh, yeah. Chapter 16. The family rushes to the hospital, Jeannie holding Ernie's teeth in a cup of milk. Grandma chews out Grandpa saying exactly what I was thinking, <laughs> saying that he pushed Ernie just like he pushed Uncle Wood. At the hospital, they run into Dr. Uh, Maurice? Maris? I don't know. They run into Dr. Maris, who Grandma knows from her career as a nurse. Dr. Maris takes Ernie back and sets his front two teeth, but the third is chipped and must wait for a dentist to help with that one. They return home and Grandma calls the boy's parents. Grandpa tries to talk to their father, but their father won't hear it. Later, Ernie confides in Jeannie that he had a bad feeling about the gun and never should have shot it. Grandma comes in with a birthday envelope from Ernie and Jeannie's parents and says that it's okay, Ernie was scared, but he was also very brave today. She shows them Uncle Wood's Purple Heart medal and says that he sent her a letter right before he shipped out, covered in tears because he was so scared. Jeannie asks if she still has it, and she says yes, and she reads it every day. Can you please read, since you're a better reader out louder than I am, can you read what Grandma says on page 302? Because it was very cathartic for me. I knew this was a bad idea, Brooke. I knew it. Uh, It was an accident, Mary. He'll be okay. But it didn't have to happen. That's what you don't get. The boy didn't want to learn how to shoot. He was scared. You knew it. I knew it. Hell, even Crab knew it. But you pushed him. You pushed him like you always do. I didn't push the boy, Mary. You did, Brooke. You did, just like you pushed Wood. Is your grandson a man now, Brooke? Is he? I loved that. (laughs) Like, it's that, are you proud of yourself? Is this what you wanted? Was this the outcome? And I was just like, yeah. Get him. And he's like, no. (laughs) No, it doesn't feel good when you get yelled at like that. (laughs) No, because you know you're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted my kids to like the same stuff I like. Like stuff that's less destructive. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 17. Jeannie meets Grandpop in the kitchen after dark again, and Grandpop is disassembling the revolver. He's been feeling guilty drinking alone. He asks to go outside again and leaves the gun broken on the table. They stand outside while rain pours down. For the next few days, Grandpa mostly hides in his inside-outside room while Ernie avoids doing much of anything. Uh, Jeannie and Grandma play M.A.S.H. to pass the time, and she shows him her photo album of when Jeannie's dad was younger and Uncle Wood was still alive. She even shows him the letter Wood wrote, which tells her not to let his little brother know he's scared. She suggests that he went into the army so his brother wouldn't have to. Because Ernie doesn't want anyone to see him, Jeannie goes alone with Grandma to the market. They see Mr. Binks again on roller skates, selling teeth. Since he's a dentist, Grandma asks him to take a look at Ernie's teeth. Jeannie then asks about the teeth Binks sells and trades some peas for one of Bruce Lee's teeth. Tess comes back to the house with them. Her mom took her to the market after Tess informs her that her real ailment is hypochondria. Not any of the other stuff she thought it was. This is something that Jeannie taught her, and her mom is taking small steps to get better. At the house, 
Jeannie hides Bruce Lee's tooth in a folded flag that was probably Uncle Woods. Ernie is horrified to learn Mr. Banks will be looking at his teeth. Grandpa emerges from his room, but Ernie refuses to speak to him and rushes outside. How often did you play MASH? I never played it with my grandmother. Well, <laughs> that's fair. That's that was a that was a, a, a curveball that I've never seen played. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just like, no, you don't play that with your grandma. You play that with your friends when you're on the school bus on a like a, a way to a field trip. You don't. Yeah, and you guys are like giggling about crushes right. and stuff. For anyone who doesn't know, it, it stands for uh, mansion, apartment, shack, house. Yeah, uh, and it's where you uh, you like create a list of like potential potential romantic partners potential careers um potential cars and then the uh the mash would be like the different sort of house that you are and then you basically will uh get random results and so it's just like a, ooh, you're gonna be dating so and so and you're gonna live in a mansion and you're gonna be an astronaut but you're gonna drive a crappy honda civic uh, we didn't. I, we didn't put job on ours. Um, we put how many kids you'd have. And, yeah. Um, uh, there, there are other things that you can do with it too. I'm sure, like pets or. There were a few different ways for you to get a number. I think they did the dots. Um, uh, um, the dots method, which is the one I used, with one group of friends. But then when I moved to a different school, or no, I think we were in middle school or something. We were still playing it, and the kids who'd gone to a different elementary school than me made swirls. Oh yeah, and you yeah. counted out like how many revolutions? Yes. And they they played it as mansion, apartment, shoe, and house. You like you, you lived, lived in a shoe. shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? They're like, yeah, and I'm like, not a shack. They're like, no, it's a shoe. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I would love for them to be like, why would it be a shack? That's kind of their that was kind of their reaction. They're like, why would it be a shack? I'm like, why would it be a shoe? Who do you know that lives in a <laughs> shoe besides that woman in the rhyme? Well- <laughs> Chapter 18. Jeannie, Ernie, and Tess are roped into inspecting every article of Tess's mom's clothes because she's convinced that itchy bugs got into them when she took Tess to the market. So much for making progress. Jeannie picks up a dress and notices that one of the buttons is an almost dead ringer for the wheel that broke off the model truck. Tess takes the button off and gives it to Jeannie, who glues it on that night. Lo and behold, he's fixed it. Chapter 19. Jeannie is out with Grandpop again, and Grandpop is drunk and rambling about how unfair the world is. They round the corner of the house, and Samantha starts barking at them. Grandpop accuses the dog of being an imposter, and Jeannie takes him back inside. They find Grandma in the kitchen, sitting next to the disassembled revolver. She tells Jeannie to go to bed so she and Grandpop can talk about his behavior. When Grandpop doesn't want to talk, she slides all the pieces of the gun into the trash. Grandpop tries to fish them out, but can't, and collapses in tears as Grandma soothingly tells him, It's over now. That was a really striking scene. I mean, I know it's supposed to be, but, like, it was really effective. You Um, felt the same way as Jeannie, just like, oh, no, what? You know? At least I did. I was just like, ah, I don't want to be here for this. (laughs) Yeah, it's super uncomfortable to watch, but you can also, like, there's so much more there that he, like, it's, it's like, it's basically like watching, like, the last scene in a movie and not knowing exactly what went on before, but knowing that this is kind of where it all had to lead to. <laughs> the, he doesn't understand the full context of why this is all so, like, important to Grandpop, but he can recognize that this is absolutely a turning point. Right. 
And just that sad, sad image of this blind man, like, on the floor, reaching into the trash and, like, pulling up, like, broken eggshells and stuff to try and fish out the pieces of this gun that has been by his side for While so long. While he's weeping. And then, yeah, <sighs> it's it's really it uncomfortable, really is. but it's really yeah. well done. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, ge- I'm guessing the idea there is that it's, this was kind of, this was his, sort of like his, um... It was like his emotional protection against the the mistakes that he had made and and his own like faults and stuff. And now he can't really hide behind that anymore. And he has to like own up to the fact that he did mess some things up and that his perspective on like masculinity and things like that isn't as helpful as he thought it was. Yeah. Does the same person keep driving by your apartment? Uh, no, it's just everybody in our area just loves to, like, tune their, uh, tune their guitars, tune their cars, um, (laughs) in the most obnoxious way possible. They can do both, I guess, if they're anything like the, um, Mad Max movie. (laughs) That guy playing the guitar on the top of it. I know what you're referencing, but before you finish the sentence, I was picturing the, like, Hanna-Barbera wacky races. (laughs) That's not too far from it, really. Which is, yeah, which is just, like, a G-rated version of Mad Max Fury Road. Didn't they make, like, a gritty reboot comic of the Wacky Racers, though? Did they? Yeah. And is it not just Mad Max Fury Road? (laughs) No. Where it's like, let's take Penelope Pitstop out and put Charlize Theron. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. There are Wacky Racers comics that looked like like a gritty reboot, or it looked like uh, it wasn't like the campy art style of the original Hanna Barbera stuff. Is it on the like uh, Archie horror uh, imprint or something? I don't think like, so. That'd be a good home for it. I don't think so. I think it's on the same <laughs> similar wavelength as like that uh, that Scooby Doo remake. We'll have to look at that later. Chapter twenty. The next morning, Grandma and Grandpa seem friendlier to each other than they've been in some time. They apologize to Jeannie about the night before, and Jeannie tries his best to accept it, despite his fears about them separating, much like his parents might. He goes outside where Ernie is picking peas. He comes clean about taking Grandpa outside and what happened last night. Ernie responds by showing Jeannie how to karate chop peas off the vine. Things are back to normal, at least until the day before Ernie is supposed to visit Mr. Binks. Grandpa tries to alleviate Ernie's fears by showing him his own fake teeth and talking about how being blind isn't all bad. So I think he's actually saying stuff more for his own benefit than Ernie's. But he does give Ernie his own sunglasses to replace the ones that broke during the gun accident. And Jeannie is amazed by Grandpop's cloudy eyes. Ernie and Grandpop sort of start their relationship over while Jeannie adds even more questions to his list. Uh, number 486 in Jeannie's list of questions is how come teeth aren't called mouth nails? <laughs> which is the worst thing I've ever heard. Mouth nails. That's, I don't like that image. Um, that silly comic where the aliens speak in overly precise English. Yes. Call them mouth stones. <laughs> we need the, we crave the grain. We need the grain for like the popcorn. It's like, should we get large? Colossal. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 21, last chapter. It's time for Ernie to visit Mr. Binks. Jeannie gives him Bruce Lee's tooth on his way out. Once Grandma and Ernie leave, Tessa and Jeannie check the bird trap one last time, and wouldn't you know it, there's a barn swallow in there. (gasps) Jeannie snatches it for just a few seconds before it fights its way out and flies off. Jeannie is torn because this means he can't fix his mistake, but he also felt guilty about caging up a perfectly healthy bird. 
He returns to the house and sits down with Grandpop. He asks him about the house in the woods, but before Grandpop can tell him its story, Crab arrives with flies and booze. Grandpop is polite with him, but sends the booze back with him. He doesn't need it anymore. Genie and Grandpop head inside, and Grandpop tells the story. A long while back, Grandpop's dad had a friend named Barnabas Saint, and they both worked for a mean man named Bristol. One day, Bristol's dog had puppies, and Barnabas stole one. Bristol found out, and after interrogating Grandpop's dad, went to Barnabas's house and burnt it down with the family inside. The only survivor was the puppy, who Grandpop's dad adopted and named Samantha. He also used some of the wreckage from the house to build bird cages. But losing Barnabas before he could come clean about outing him to Bristol broke something inside Grandpop's dad, and he was never the same after. Genie asks about the tree growing through the house and all the birds and comes up with his own metaphors about it all. He realizes that he has to come clean about uh, the dead bird, uh, but before he can, his dad storms in, furious with Grandpop. Grandma, Genie, and Genie's mom are right behind him, but everyone goes upstairs to help the boys pack so the men can argue. The boy's mother is surprised to hear the sons had a good time overall. The arguing gets louder and everyone goes downstairs again. Genie's dad accuses Grandpop of failing to protect him, Uncle Wood, and his sons, and Grandpop says that if the bullet had ricocheted and hit himself, it would have been the only thing he'd done to make Dad happy. This stops the argument, and the men sit next to each other in silence. Everyone else goes back upstairs, and Grandma finally notices the fixed model. She cries a bit, then gifts it to Genie, saying Uncle Wood would be proud. Ernie then gifts Grandma his busted tooth as a good luck charm. They all head downstairs one last time to find that Grandpop has uh, given his rainy day fund to them as gas money to get home and to come visit again. Genie takes Grandpop aside and confesses to killing the bird, but Grandpop is known for weeks since he could hear the change. He was waiting for Genie to come clean and forgives him. As one last question, Genie asks if Grandpop will ever let the other birds go. He says maybe. Genie heads out, and as he does, he steps on something. It's the broken part of the truck wheel. The end. Before touching on any of the, like, bigger stuff, I really like that when they're upstairs with Grandma and uh, their mom, Ernie's like, I'm gonna give you my tooth as good luck charm. And Grandma's like, aw, that's so sweet. And their mom is like, what happened here? (laughs) I was thinking of that meme where it's like this woman smiling manically in like a catalog and it says, the what? That people always use for everything. She's kind of like you when you described the um, seeing the final scene in a movie, but you hadn't seen anything leading up to it. So you're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I like that this touches on several important aspects of black history in America without making that its focal point. Like there are a lot of books written for this age that kind of retell the same situations and stuff and so like this makes reference to like the Emmett Till tragedy and uh, Jim Crow and things like that but those are informing the characters later on as opposed to it being about that in the same way and I liked that because I think it's more relatable especially at this point to be like you know it's important to understand how these things affected the people that lived through them or saw the immediate repercussions and how that translates to them raising their own children, and and you can see how these events kind of uh, ripple throughout the subsequent generations in ways that people don't really talk about as mm-hmm. much. Yeah, he, he does a good job of, like, like I'm going to present you with this stuff, but I'm not going to tell you how to feel about it. Right. And I liked that, so that way you can be free to make your own interpretations. 
Like, he probably had some own, his own intentions for this is what I meant for it, but I like to see what other people got out of it. Yeah. And you can look up what Emmett Till is if you don't know what that is. It explains the, yeah. the gist of it in here, and we are actually recording. We're recording on the anniversary. Are we really? Or was it yesterday? It was either today or yesterday because <sighs> I the day that the Breonna Taylor thing. Uh, oh, that's even more offensive. Gen- well, because yeah. that, yeah. So that that's on the, like, 65th anniversary or something yikes. like that. Yeah. It's real yikes. America's screwed yeah. up. Yeah. And one one of the one of the important things is that you can love your country and still acknowledge that it's made some huge mistakes because loving something doesn't mean you approve of everything it does. It means that you care enough to make it better. And I think that's something that people get confused on because they're like, "I love America. How could America do anything wrong?" And it's like a lot of people that I love have done things. Yeah. Wrong. But it means that I want to see them do right. Yeah. And if we don't acknowledge that we do wrong, sometimes we can't ever get any better. But yeah, real real strong book. Yeah, definitely. Definitely one uh, of the better you know, ones. I think the only, yeah, I think the only reason it's not five stars for me is that just that five star tier is that additional emotional response that I can't really, I can't always articulate it. It's just like that hit something that I didn't really know it was going to hit. And like this hit a lot of things. It just, it, it, it didn't do that, but that's not a fault of yeah, the book. A five star um, book hits different. But, yeah. <laughs> But that's always going to be a more personal thing right. than, like, recognizing a strong four and things like yeah. that. So. But yeah, this is, a, this is a definite recommend. I would also be down to reading, to to read more stuff. I think he, I feel like we have something on display at the school library that he wrote more recently. But yeah, cool. Cool. So for next month, we're going to do something a little different. We're just, we're going to talk about... 10-ish things that uh, freaked us out as chillins, and they might be movies, they might be just like weird incidents that happened to us. I'll go ahead and say right now, they're going to be things that creeped us out on like a, more of a horror level and less on a trauma level. Right. Like we're not going to no. get into like, this is, let's like make it, uncomfortable, yeah. unsafe Let's make it a trigger-free gonna... episode so we don't have to talk about anything. Yeah. So like my dad leaving the family will not be discussed in that episode at least. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're not gonna, it's not gonna get that None real. of my relatives died when I was a child, so none of that's gonna come up either. So it'll, oh, on my list will probably be a couple nightmares. Um, yeah, yeah, it'll be set. I think that's gonna be fun. For sure. Yeah. Look forward to that dropping. I might, I, I, since it won't require quite as much prep time, I might see if I can just drop it on Halloween. Oh, okay. And get the extra spooks. Extra spooks. Uh, so the November episode may just drop on the 31st. Uh, jury's still out on that. But uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, hello, fellow kids. It's hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh. Music provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. I wonder if he's actually, like, renewed his uh, annual thing on that. Like, I, I hope we're not redirecting to some, like, horrific porn site <laughs> because like, he let it slide. This is just an ad for GoDaddy. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Though knowing Ben, I'd be like... You uh, you didn't renew your thing, and now it's just redirects to porn. He's like, "Oh no, that is me. <laughs> that is me. That's my OnlyFans." <laughs> uh, um, do you know the actress Shannon? Woodward? No, she's on Westworld, and she was on a show called Raising. I didn't Hope. watch either of those things. Uh, okay, she is a she is an established actress, and she uh, she currently because of the uh, COVID stuff, she's been streaming on Twitch. And playing games, and she um, 
She has made uh, merch, so the official Shannon Woodward merch is called Only Shams. <laughs> That's pretty clever. I thought you were going to tell me she had an OnlyFans, and I'm just like, oh no, Josh. And you're all like, and I'm a subscriber. No. Uh, yeah, uh, what what else? Uh, social media, HFK Podcast. Uh, you can email us at hfkpodcast at gmail.com. And we will talk to you in about a month with some spooky things. Spooky things. Bye. Bye.